0: Hey y'all, this is Abraham, one half of the OSINT 8 podcast. And I just wanna let you know we outside this summer. So that means return to sporting events, concerts, and the like. Lockdown hasn't been easy on the pockets, so ticket prices aren't looking too fun. I will feel you on that. But, Megaseats.com offers a solution. Megaseats.com is a third-party reseller. They stand tall on these two things zero service fees and free shipping 100% guarantee but if that isn't enough and and this is the fun part SSAW has partnered with them to provide you a 10% discount when you enter SSAW network at checkout did you hear me 10% off on top of zero service fees man you're going to catch me outside this summer for sure Head over to megaseats.com. Use the code SSAW network and plan your next outing. We outside this summer, baby!
1: Know what time it is, y'all know. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Volume Two, Episode Twenty Five of the Osa and Abe Podcast, presented to you by SSAW. As always, I am Mister Fifty Percent, the Osa and Osa and Abe here with my guy Abe. What's good, Abe? You.
2: What's good? What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's 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 exciting to be here. Honestly, um, we have a very fun and special episode. For all the NBA basketball lovers out there, this is the episode for you, and we also have a very special guest. This is the first time in about a year we've had an all-night-ja episode, Everybody, and not only that, it's all your rubah, all your <laughs> rubah men, ah-ah, in the month hmm. of October when we when we turned 61, we decided to give you this episode. It It wasn't intentional, but you know how God works. It just happens to be that way, so... Excited to be here. um A lot of fun this week again when it came to basketball. Unfortunately, my Celtics had to take an L, but that's okay. We'll definitely get into that later. Good L to take. It 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 was it was a great game. It was a great (laughs) game.
1: Like for opening night, a great
2: game. But yeah, you know I'm good.
1: Hey yo, Abe, I think you should do a a special introduce our guest, bro. Oh
2: bet bet bet. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, um. As uh, those of you who've been rocking with us may know, I am a co-writer for a, a manga called Shade of Red. Um, you can find it on Webtoons or the Noir Caesar app. And um, my boss and, and my friend, Shaq LSF, um, he he just reached out to me one day and told me about his homie who, who loves basketball as much as we do, you know, who's with a passion, uh, who's, with a passion who's a student of the game. And he's like, you know, he would is it possible to to get him on an episode or link him with someone? And I'm like, oh, most deaf, most deaf. You know, we here at OSIN a we're part of the SSA network. We have so many podcasts under our belt from Cover Zero for the football fans, Diamond Talk for the Baseball fans, Reformed Hooligans for all the football fans, uh, ringside yeah. mayhem for all the wrestling fans. We do have full court press, which is currently on hiatus for the basketball fans, of course oson a podcast, which is like basically anything everything we we discuss, and I'm like, yeah, we can definitely find a space for for the homie and I am very very pleased to uh welcome uh he goes by young Kovu on Twitter Young
3: Kovu on twitter uh
2: first name sam last name greatest uh. He, <laughs> He is here to join us from the UK, but fortunately UK. for us, he's in the states th- today. And yep, yep. Uh, Kovu, you know, just just tell us a little bit about yourself, because also congratulations on just getting your master's, by the way.
3: Thank
1: you, thank Love. you, thank you so much, yes yeah, sir. So we can call you Master Kovu.
3: Yeah, Master Kovu. There we go. I like that has a very nice ring to it. But yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This is honestly like one of my dreams. I think the reason. Um shax uh, reached out to you because he saw me tweet that just like this is all i want to be doing so i just want to thank you both for having me on here
1: easily easily hey fam kovu tell us a little more like so what part of uh, the uk are you from um where'd you just graduate from all, all that good stuff the, the streets want to know
3: 100 percent. so um i recently well i was i was actually born in chicago which is why i'm able to come out here i'm sorry yeah um i was born in chicago but I was only there for a little bit. That's why I supported the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bears, Chicago Hawks. Those are all my like teams with American sports. Um, I moved to London when I was around like five or six, and my dad was born in Islington, uh, which is in which is like north of London. But I've actually moved about quite a bit. So, so well <laughs> prepare yourselves. I was born in Chicago. Then after that, uh, we moved to Kenya. Then after Kenya, we moved to London. After London, we moved to Tanzania. After Tanzania, we moved to Holland. And after Holland, uh, I went I then was sent to boarding school in England where I've like remained and stayed going to university there. Um I start I studied marketing and consumer psychology for my master's and accounting and finance for my bachelor's. And I've recently finished. So I guess you could say I'm unemployed. So you know, holla at me if you wanna give me a job. But um yeah, man, my 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 love for the game, I'd say, first came in like Reasonably late, I say twenty sixteen was when I first really fell in love with basketball. It always been one of those things where I've looked at it and just been like, This is a cool sport, but when you don't really know what the game is like, all you see is like people running from side to side. But when I saw LeBron James do the unthinkable and just come back from three one in the finals against the Golden State Warriors, like I felt I fell in love with it just then and there and I haven't looked back since.
1: That's interesting. So in a country dominated by the beautiful game you fell in love with NBA. That is that's fascinating to
3: me. Yeah. So i I'm, I'm very I'm also very, very um, football obsessed, don't get me wrong. Who's your yeah. club? Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal till like I yikes.
2: yikes,
1: yikes. You know what's crazy? I knew you were gonna say you were a gunner. I knew it. Oh, I knew it deep in my soul. But I was hoping maybe you would say Tottenham. It's okay though. You know, you, you guys. Oh have
3: been my happening. is that your team? Absolutely not. Oh! Oh! Thank God! Thank God! I was even better. I was even better.
1: The Manchester United Red Devil till I die. Oh,
3: Chelsea and Man U. Yeah, well. it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is. Woo. Wow! It's a...
2: <laughs> Woo. And then and then Shaq being a Liverpool fan too is just like yikes. We yeah. Woo.
3: yeah we... Oh, <laughs> it's okay. Oh. I know Chelsea fans are enjoying right now, but I know Hell Man
2: Yeah, U just... we eat it. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's true. Champions League final last season. Yeah, yeah, new manager Tuchel, new sign in Lukaku.
1: Yeah, you're you're doing very, very well. Doing yeah, very they well. got big glue. I, I am I'm praying for you, Arsenal fans, that Arteta will get fired. That's that's all you
3: want. I, really? Yes. I'm I'm the minority. I am a big fan of his. Really? I'm not, I, yes, because I think. What do you expect? We don't. We don't like. We don't sign as many big. Pl- we don't have the money that these other clubs have. We're not going to spend Man U money. We're not going to spend Chelsea money. We don't have like, we don't. Ah, oh, it's just like you can obviously see that we have a long term project where we're bringing in a long of like English young prospects who can have, who could have an impact in like three or four years. Like statistically speaking, we have one of the youngest squads in the Premier League. Like you can't expect them to be getting results. And this man won a trophy in his first season at the club when we were we were finished. The club was in complete disarray, and you can talk about a manager boost, but to win the FA Cup, he beat teams like 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 Liverpool team who were disgusting, that Man City team, that Chelsea Chelsea in the FA Cup final, we beat them. So I feel like in today's, it's a results based business, but you have to give these managers more time.
1: Honestly, here's my and see you just what you just did actually was punched your ticket to uh, to be a guest on Reformed Hooligans. We talk about that offline. <laughs> um, the reason why I say get rid of Arteta, apart from the fact that he's had, I think, decent time, and you guys have actually had some great signings. I think Odegaard was a great signing. Um, Sending yes. Smith Rowe. Um, you guys, in my opinion, have probably one of the best young attacking lines, minus mm. Lacazette and, uh, and, and Obama Yang. You get rid of those yeah. two, Lacazette and Obama Yang, and bring in um, a serviceable striker. I really don't, I really think you guys are back in the top seven at least. Um, yeah, that's, and, yeah, And then on top of that, what's his name? Uh, um I, I think if he gets one more season, I read reports this week that Arteta wants to get rid of him. But I think if you give him one more season, because as we all know, that Premier League learning curve is steep, especially if you come from a league like La Liga, where things are a little more open and all of that. I think you give him one more season and he catches on. I, I really don't see anyone. Um, I really see you guys being a threat. So, but I think tactically, Arteta, when I look at some of the formations he puts out there and lineups he puts out there for you guys, like blows my mind. In the bad really? way. Absolutely. In a bad way, too.
3: I would 100% agree with you. Last season, there were, def- there were definitely some questionable lineups and what he would do. But I think he was still trying to figure out what his best starting lineup is. But 100% this season, he knows who his best starting lineup is he's going to, he's always going to have Kieran Tierney left back, he's going to have Ben White center back, he's going to have Gabriel, he's going to have a, a Tokoyomi, or Tommy, as our fans like to call yeah. him, a right back. He likes the party. he likes to have Partey and Jacker and Odegaard as the center mid. And then the striker, he's going to have Aubameyang, and Aubameyang, he doesn't really suit with the style of play, of like I'd say, though, if you look back at Wenger, we, we like to have someone who can hold up the ball and create for other players. He's more of just a poacher, but he's Apart from last season where he kind of flopped, he's gonna get you goals. Like he has more goals than Lukaku in the Prem and in all competitions right now. And then on the right, you have Biyako Saka and on the left you have Pepe. And I think you I'd like to see someone like Martinelli be brought in a bit more, but that's that's his starting lineup and that, that's his strongest squad. And you're gonna you're gonna see good results. Like, okay, we, we should have been beating Brian at home, and even but even the way we came back from that was great. Usually when Arsenal are losing, we we put our heads down and we're finished. But I, I don't know, I say give him more time, you'll see this guy this guy got a job straight out retiring from be, and became the assistant manager of arguably one of the greatest managers in the world in Pep for man City, and he's just and he was he was very he was credited to a lot of their success for a lot of one-on-one training with the players, so I just say give him time, let
1: him develop when I tell you, I disagree with most of what you just said <laughs> 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 get get rid of uh let's see get rid of Pepe Pepe should pepe was a a unnecessary signing um give martinelli more time in his space i like an attacking uh behind whoever your your number nine is throw in let these boys let the young guns run so whether it's saka uh odegaard and smith Rowe, let them run if you want to sub in martinelli for cup ties or for the ucl let it or for the the europa league let it happen uh Obama Yang, like I said, get him out of there. Get a, a serviceable strike.
3: You want Aubameyang um, gone, even though he... he here's I'm why. For Obama here's Yang. why.
1: Because what? it's not... And this is going to sound crazy, but if, if y'all listen to Reformed Hooligans, you've heard this talk before. I was in favor, and we were in favor on Reformed Hooligans collectively, of getting rid of Messi two to three seasons ago, maybe more. What? Not because okay, Messi, need, Not because it, Messi's it, it, not one of the greatest on the planet, however... In order for the team to move forward, you got to get rid of that personality because management will continue to try to build around that player to the detriment of the development okay. of the next generation. And that's, that's what's like happening with part. Obama part. Yank And his yeah. contract, look at Obama Yank's contract, inflated. Ben White mm-hmm. was the most overpriced buy of the summer. Let me put it in perspective. <laughs> I, I, for the <laughs> price that Arsenal bought Ben White, man, you by cristiano ronaldo and rafael veron and what has ben white done for y'all lately little to nothing um i could go on but anyways
3: we have a pretty good defense but again it's i agree with you and like i'm not here to i I cannot defend us us paying 50 million for ben white but it's just when i was saying earlier it's just there's there's, it's clear that there's a long-term project for that like he's if you look at Aaron Ramsdale, who's like twenty-three years old, Ben White, who's like twenty-three years old, Sacco, who's like twenty, and Mill Smith Rowe, they want to get these English players who are fans of the club, just so they know that okay, we can tie these guys to long contracts, we can actually develop them without risk of them just wanting to leave and join a bigger club. Um, Fifty mil is big, but again, this is why I say I'm actually still a fan of Arteta because he has a plan. You'll notice that loads of our players, Ben White included, Toko included. Um, they can play more than one position. Like Ben White can play CDM and he can play centre-back. Tokyo can play uh, centre-back and he can play right-back. And that just means that like, they're going to be so much better at their, their positional awareness. The thing why people don't necessarily like Arteta is because I believe his man management is really poor. But tactically, you you see tactics when it comes to competition football. And competition football, I feel like he sets up very well every time. But we'll just have to see. But I wanted, to, I wanted to give you a question, and maybe, maybe after this, we might be able to move on to the basketball, but
1: are you Ole in, or
3: are you Ole out as a Manchester United fan?
1: I am Ole in, but not as the, the manager, but as an assistant, and here's why. Ole reminds me a lot of Ole, Brendan Rodgers, and I would say, crap, who's the other manager? Pochettino are very similar, and here's why. Um, Arteta, I think I would give him to the end of this season before I put him in this class of managers. They're managers who used to play the game, uh, were assistants at one point. But what shows is when is for them as managers, as top flight managers now, is tactically they they are not what their clubs need at the most crucial moments. When I look at this Manchester United team, Ali has done wonders for the strikers and the young young wingers and strikers and attackers on that team. Rashford, you look at Rashford, you look at Greenwood, great raw talents, and he has helped them exponentially. You look at their finishing, they're clinical now. I'm sure the same has happened for an Anthony Alonga and for an Ahmad, uh, yeah, for Ahmad as well. However, when I look tactically at this team, the Lesser game, this the yeah, the la, the last Leicester game was picture perfect of it. You lose to a Leicester team four two. You United scores first. Game gets tied up one one. Then comes along Leicester to score. And I, I figured Leicester was gonna eventually go ahead because their bench on that bench, they have Pats and Daka. Brilliant signing for them. Midfield wise, midfield is United's biggest hole. When you look at the the, the line the lineup that not you the lineup, the CDM. you need a You CDM. Yeah. When you look at that four, two, three, four, yeah, four, two, three, one, you need a strong CDM in that double pivot. And you don't have one. Scott McTominay, he's cool. I actually would like to see Scott McTominay maybe move to the back line. But if you have him in at in that double pivot, you need another strong midfielder in there. Why? Because with the current crop of players that United has, you have an attacking, you could throw pogba in there right and in the and he's done great playing that left almost left weird left wing role um yeah. but when he's been efficient in that role it's when united has shifted from a 4-2-3-1 to a, almost like a 4-3-3 and he drops into almost a playmaking role in that midfield three united yeah. as with the current uh personnel they have should be running a four three three or a three four three. yep i completely and <laughs> so here's my wish list i would hope that in this winter window, they go and hunt for a CDM. Get me Frank Kessie from Milan. I'll take him. Get yeah. me. Um, actually, no, he's he's probably Zachariah. not toxic. Top selection. Okay. Get me a Wilfred and Didi um, from Leicester. I would love it. I would love to see a Nigerian there. Right. Well, what about I think Dennis
3: Zakaria from Berkshire? I like
1: Zakaria as well. Dennis Zakaria. He's he's a good. That's a good big body. He'll fill in well. Heck, you can even run a player swap or go ahead and sell off Donny Van de Beek because he's not fitting in. Um, I would love to see it. If United does not get a CDM in this winter window, they might not finish in Champions League position to finish the season because that midfield is wide open when you have Pogba back there. You can't have Pogba in the double pivot without giving him a strong CDM. How do we know this? His time playing for the French national team has proved it. When they won that World Cup in 2018, that's what he had. Uh, and so he might have got two men beside him with Kante. Yeah. <laughs> when you have Angolo Kante playing next to you, you can roam as free as the wind. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I hope, I really hope. If not, I would actually like to see. We were talking about this in our reformed hooligans group chat. Um, it's not far fetched. hot take Brendan Rodgers needs to go from Leicester, And if he goes, drop him in at United, put Ollie on the bench as an assistant. That assistant manager uh, lineup that they would have would be top of the line. You have him, Michael Carrick, and Mike Phelan. That team would be fun. That team would be fireworks. But okay, like I said... His, oh, go ahead. Here's why
3: I think Ole should never, ever have been hired. Whoa! Because you... I, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Man, you, it's almost as if you guys have... You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten where you came from. You guys are Champions
1: League winners.
3: My you guys man gave are... us the
1: Rafiki talk.
3: Yeah, you guys... <laughs> you guys are like Mr. Alex Ferguson won 13 Premier League titles. And then if I look at the managers you had after that, okay, David Moyes. But even then, I think David Moyes would have done wonders if, it, if you'd given him more time. I don't believe he inherited a very good squad. But Van Hal, FA Cup winner. Jose Mourinho. Okay, we called it the Mickey Mouse treble, but Community Shield, Capital One Cup, and then oh, what was the, f- and the Europa League final to get you in the Champions League football. And then finally, we have Ole, who has spent more money than every other manager apart from Pep Guardiola, who has won league titles and, and made it to a Champions League final. And this guy, const- and like your Europa League, and what proved it to me was your Europa League final last, uh, last year, losing to Villarreal, Unai Emery's team. He, this guy like, you literally, you have a world-class squad. You have a world-class squad. So why aren't, why aren't you beating like Everton? Why aren't you beating Leicester? Why are you down 2-0 to, to Atlanta in the Champions League until this guy must have, begged, must have been on his knees begging the team not to let him lose his job? You, have like, you literally have what a lot of people claim to be the best player in the world and you're still not competing with the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool. You give, any of, you give Jose Mourinho this team and he's winning, he's winning the
1: trouble. I guarantee it. I you disagree. give any other a com- you give any other competent. Here's sorry? why Jose Marino would not win a trouble with this team. Because half the players on this team would be sold because they don't want to play for him. If you remember, Paul Pogba didn't want to play for this man. Lukaku's the reason why this man is is uh is no longer is he's the, I'm sorry, oh, he's no, the reason Lukaku's no longer on uh, I'm talking about Jose Marino. He's the reason Lukaku's no longer on Man U. Yeah. So when yeah. I look at uh Here's the big thing to know, and this is the thing, folks. Tune into Reformed Hooligans and check out even past episodes. I have been a firm, firm, firm hater of Ed Woodward, who will be gone in two months from Manu. He was their vice president of the board. Woodward is not a man who would open up the purse strings. Um, let's take, for example, because you know you're, for all intents and purposes, you're you're you know you're a British man. Um, Jude Bellingham right great young talent Ed Woodward would not pay two million pounds a season for a teenager these were his words you passed up on Jude Bellingham you missed the opportunity a couple seasons ago to sign Sancho you finally do it now there are players who've been missed out on by United so for all the talk of well Ole spent all this money Ole can't spend money um, unless Woodward makes this here's the thing Woodward is a banker. You're a man with 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 a finance degree. Woodward is a banker. He's not he's not a football mind, but he's making football decisions. He's been given permission by the Glazers, who are a American football team, uh, brains because they own the Buccaneers, to make football decisions. That's a recipe for disaster. Absolute recipe for the for disaster. So when when you're allowing him to make those kind of decisions. It's a problem
3: can i just interrupt you very quickly because this is something i never understand i see a lot of new owners uh, complain of, i see a lot of manu fans complain about the owners and they complain about ed Woodward. so if we're going under the the guys right i've even i've written down um i've, I've written down so many oh my gosh actually let me even write down a few more just so i don't mess this up mm-hmm. because let's
1: let me, <laughs> let's, right, let's, we, let's we've turned this into a osa and abe hooligan okay. episode
2: yeah, no, but... apparently. And, and you know what? I'm here for it because this allows me to just chill and, and relax this Friday morning. You feel me?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sorry about that. Let me just. Okay, Ed Woodward, right? So you don't feel like he's doing his his, his good job of bringing in signings. But
1: let me just. Oh, no, 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 no. Not bringing in signings, but bringing in the right signings to fit the right coaches because you brought up David Moyes. David Moyes said it himself. David Moyes had players he wanted to buy, and Woodward was like, nope. So Woodward is out here buying um, because here's, man, you, it's not that they've forgotten who they are, but they've, they've tried to be a shadow version of what they used to be. Uh, United is known for buying or having come through their ranks, the big name, like homebred English yeah. superstar, right? You look at the David Beckhams of the world, the Paul Scholes of the world, like you can go on and on and on, right? The Neville brothers. mm this dude is out here trying to buy Jaden Sancho. And I will be on the record as saying this, and I've said it time and time again. I feel like the Jaden Sancho signing never should have happened. You could have got really? two, you could have got two to three players who would fit better with this system and with this team. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Jaden Sancho is a bad player. I think he's a great player. It, yeah, it'd be the equivalent of, I don't know, the Lakers getting, I don't know. Let's say uh it'd be the equivalent <laughs> of the Lakers getting, um, crap, why is his name slipping me now? Oh, Joel Embiid. You already have a serviceable uh, a big man in Anthony Davis. What's the point, right? No, I agree. Don't get me wrong, though. I think in the future, it's going to be fun watching him, Rashford, and Greenwood grow together on this squad. But it was an unnecessary signing over 100 million uh, pounds. I'm sorry, over 100 million dollars, 90-something million pounds. You could have got, got a CDM for that. You could have got a decent another decent center back because now they're in a center back issue because folks are injured um, for that price. So don't get me wrong, not that Woodward hasn't signed like big name players, but you've signed them at the wrong time and paired them with the wrong coaches, or you haven't signed players that you should have signed. Like Donnie Van Vanderbeek. You don't need Donnie Vanderbeek. Like why why Donnie Vanderbeek when you could have gone out and got a I would take Jude Bellingham any day over Donnie Vanderbeek.
3: <sighs> that 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 intrigues me because I, I agree with you to an extent, but why would you? Why would you bring sign Jude Bellingham over Van Der Beek? Because I feel like they bring you a lot of similar things. And I think I don't understand why Van Der Beek isn't playing for you. If you look at that Ajax team, he was, his passing is ridiculous. And you already have that with Pogba. You already have that with Fernandez. So I could agree that you don't really need him. But then why Bellingham?
1: Van Der Beek only works in a 4-3-3 formation for United. Yeah. He doesn't work in this current formation because, because, because well, he defensively, He's serviceable, but he's not a lockdown defender like you need in a 4-2-3-1. Which is, well, so I asked, why Bellingham? Bellingham is a better defensive talent. And I think if you pair him with a... I think you can pair him with a Matic in some situations. I'm not a fan of Matic, but he's the best de- defensive option United has in the midfield. And I've been on the record as saying this as well over on Reformed Hooligans. I feel... United needs to move Victor Lindelof back to his natural position. You know what that position is? CDM. Is that his natural that position? his natural position. So if you move him from C- – I'm in favor of swapping him with McTominay, swapping their roles, and if that needs to be the holdover, because McTominay plays center back for the Scottish national team. Yeah, yeah. That needs to be the holdover until they decide to open up the purse strings to buy someone like a Kessie. And here's the – here is the – here is the trump card, and I think this move might actually happen as long as Roy Keane goes and makes an apology. I think Erling Haaland is going to come to you now.
3: He will, It if, if you keep Ole, I be, I also believe that move will happen. If you keep Ole. If Ole gets fired, I think that whole deal is in complete jeopardy.
1: I think, well, I think it it it's hanging on by a thread if you fire Ole. However. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the pendulum swings, the momentum swings in Man City's direction because it's it's a battle between the two Manchester sides at that point. His dad played for City. Um, but City. yeah, his dad played for City. And here's why I say the Roy Keane thing. Once again, this has been documented on Reform Two Um, Roy Keane ended Alfie Holland's playing career. Um they had a they had a row where uh Alfie got injured. This was while I'm sorry. Roy King got injured while Alfie was playing for Leeds. King gets hurt. I think tore his ACL. Alfie hits him with a, while he's on the ground. Oh, stop flopping. Stop faking. Roy King ended up missing the rest of the season and part of the next season. When he comes back, it's alleged, this is in Roy King's uh, autobiography as well, that he had it out for Alfie. And there's an infamous, the, the YouTube clip is out there where he goes studs up on a ball. Seen it. Of, yeah, 50-50 know- ball. Oh, that's insane he went after his knee and that and that basically ended Alfie's playing career and so there's been talk that there's bad blood there or whatever and Keen should apologize but there's also talk though that Arlen can get over it and move on um yeah man we've said a lot on I time. think <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: I think um yeah yeah but maybe we should just use this to wrap it up
1: yeah but um go for it you, you, you think, have to share your thoughts we'll wrap it. and we'll head on head on over across the the pond over here to the NBA
3: yeah
1: now um I was just about to quickly say that I
3: think um in terms of the Highland to Man U that it, it's pretty if he is to go to an English club it would be Man U I think um Pep Guardiola and Man City they have their their sets um their site, they they want Harry Kane like they will I think they put in a bid for 150 mil for him. And Tottenham somehow still rejected that, and he still somehow keeps deciding to play for them. But different story for a different time. But yeah, no, that was um. This was good. I I, I definitely hope to be part of the the hooligans <laughs> podcast so we can discuss this more. Yeah, but no, so this stay is tuned, me.
1: y'all. If you want more more of the beautiful game, you know what it is. Head on over to Reformed Hooligans. You might see our friend Young Kovu pop up. I think you will fit in well because um. If you do listen to Reform Hooligans, if you don't, we have an eclectic group of supporters. We got a, a Real Madrid supporter. We have actually two menu supporters. And we have kind of a slight free agent behind, the, behind closed doors. Our, our boy Brian is actually an RB Leipzig supporter for not, not reasons you would expect. Anyhow, y'all can head on over to Reform Hooligans, catch up on some past episodes. There are things that are happening now that we have, I'm just gonna say, forecasted and predicted months, maybe even up to a year plus ago. Anyhow, you know. let's head on over to the NBA. <laughs> opening week of the NBA. It has been wild, y'all. So I can come back now. Yeah, you could come back now. You can you can come back now. Um, opening week oh, has God. been wild. <laughs> Among other storylines that we've seen, there's been so there's We've had the biggest well, drama.
2: before we go to the NBA let let's let's take some time to spend with that WNBA. We gotta give uh you, the I, was to that. I, I was building up oh, to that. I was building up to oh oh you know yeah, what there, my there boy, been storylines oh, oh, here. You know, let me let me go build, build the storylines. You, you know what I'm saying? You a writer you right. should you understand. Know, I mean yo you've been going I, I didn't
1: know where you was taking us to be honest. You know me. You know me. I I do I build us into it right there's been storylines right Uh, The Ben Simmons drama, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, The NBA dropped its top 75 players list. And apparently, according to to Charles Barkley, if they expand it to a top 500 list, maybe Kenny Smith will get on there. Uh, (laughs) We we, we had the Bucks actually winning on ring night, right? And then turn around and get clapped the next game by the Heat. But before we jump into there, we definitely got to talk about the WNBA. I feel like this WNBA Finals, and I wish we had – I mean, we talked a little bit about it right on the last episode. Uh, but the WNBA Finals, let me tell y'all, you talk about storylines. There have been some great storylines, I think, in this – probably the, we'll call this the fall season, and the fall season for sports. And this one is right up there with some of the top. 100%. We mentioned it last week. WNBA Finals, Chicago Sky against the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, Diana Taurasi, Candace Parker, this will probably be the equivalent of like LeBron and Kobe playing, but playing in like their twilight years. Candace Parker makes the move and decides to, to in the offseason, go to the Chicago Sky. They come into the WNBA Finals as the sixth seed. This is, they are one of the lowest seeds to ever win a finals. They were 16 and 16. Their record was 500. The Phoenix Mercury were a top three team throughout the season. They are, that's a stacked team as well. You're looking at the, the Mercury, Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Brittany Griner, right? Th- that is a team, but you watch the Chicago Sky come together as a, as a team team and dominate and end up winning three games to one. Listen, y'all. The joy and elation on Candace Parker's face. Like, this is what she came home to do. This isn't like LeBron, you know, leaving Cleveland, going to Miami, coming back home to Cleveland to win a title. This would be the equivalent of LeBron never gets drafted by Cleveland, instead gets drafted by another big-name team, like maybe actually gets drafted by the Lakers. Let's say LeBron gets drafted by the Lakers instead and then decides in his later years to go home to Cleveland and finally lead them to a championship. That's what the, this, the equivalent of what Candace Parker does. And leads a team. Don't, don't get me wrong. They got some great pieces on that team. Allie Quigley, a sniper. Uh, Courtney Vandersloot, an all-around talent. She almost averaged a triple-double for the series. She averaged, I think it was 12 assists per game for the series. Um, and then the MVP of the series, who had the iconic moment in the series, the stare-down right yeah it, listen that stare down goosebumps goosebumps on the stare down by kalia copper in that championship clinching game alia copper mvp of the series folks I am impressed, and if you are not tuning into the WNBA, if you, not, if you are not a fan of the W. oh, they don't dunk enough, oh, they're not exciting enough, I would I would argue, exactly, I would argue tactically and in terms of fundamentals and technically, technical soundness, the WNBA is right up there with the NBA. I'll start with you, Kovu, what were your impressions of this, this WNBA final series?
3: think no like you like you like you said before just um the stories the stories up there is just right up there especially with candace parker um winning what's it i think she came as the league in a rookie season and won the mvp which is just like it's like magic and rookie of of the year and and, well of course (laughs) um, just like magic johnson level of greatness but to come back but i'm I'm so glad you mentioned kala cooper because um Look, okay, I'll, I'll admit I could definitely watch more WNBA. I think a lot of NBA fans could admit that. But I was seeing Candace Parker get most of the majority, and it's great for the exposure. Actually, firstly, let me just say, like when you have great storylines like this, when you have two great teams, when you have a sixth a sixth seed team coming on on some Hakeem Olajuwon vibe and just making it all the way to the finals, it's it's just gonna like it's just gonna make the game so much bigger. And one of the things is people don't realize that like everyone can eat. Everyone can get money. Everyone can get the exposure, and that's just great. We love to see it. But just back to my point, I'm so glad you brought Calia Cooper, uh, Copper, because I wasn't seeing a lot of um, a lot of press. And yeah, yeah, she was the finals MVP. She was great, and just yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see. I only I only uh, watched a few games of the finals. I didn't. I haven't been following the NBA storylines for the whole season. But just incredible, and just so good for the game as well, and just. It's becoming, I'm glad to see women's game seeing it. I'm glad to see the game being like seen more on an international basis and just stuff with development of the NBA African League as well. I'm just so happy to see the game grow. It's just so good for all
1: of us. Yo, I'll also throw this in there as well. Because let's see, when we recorded last week's episode, that was the night of game three. The margin of victory for the Sky was the largest in the history of the WNBA finals. They won 86 to 50. And that score is very much indicative of how the game, the entire game went. They were up 44 to 24 at the half. Kalia Cooper had 20 points in the first quarter. Like she, did I said Cooper, Copper had 20 points in the first quarter. Balled out of control. The way the city of Chicago showed up for the Chicago sky, I love it. you love to see it. Chance the rapper lead in the way and the crowd. Like, man, it's a beautiful thing. Abe, talk about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I've followed uh Candace Parker since uh her days at Tennessee because uh growing up in Jersey at the time Big East basketball was was the wave, you know. Of course you you watch a lot of Big East, Georgetown, Yukon, uh oh. Nova and that was for men's men and women. Big East basketball used to be that it was special. And so, um, of course, I would watch some of Rutgers' games versus the, the the ladies. I would watch them versus Tennessee, and I fell in love with Candace Parker. I was just like, yo, who is this beautiful, tall woman who can ball like she can? You know, she was just filthy with it. And I, you know, I, it's just so dope to have this coming home story. You know, LeBron had his, which was really dope when he came back to Cleveland, won him a title. Uh, it. People, people just love that. And as you mentioned, Candace has cemented her legacy. Winning rookie of the year and MVP in all in the same season is, is crazy. But to come back to Chicago first year, and you have to go through the Connecticut Suns, which if you've listened been listening to this podcast the last few weeks, we've given so much love and praise to the Connecticut Suns. You had to go through them. Mind you, this the Sky finished the season sixteen and sixteen. That is for for those who just looking at the numbers. That's not impressive. Like you've made it in at five hundred. Oh no, nah, we not expecting much from you. But they did what they had to do. When you look at this series against the uh the uh, Mercury dog, and all their wins, they scored eighty five plus ninety plus. They've held. Mercury to 50 points, 70 points. They played wonderful basketball on both sides, both sides. And I was really happy. I was watching the, uh, the Sky Parade on NBA TV a couple of days ago, and it had me so hyped. I'm like, bro, I mean, it's been a while since I've been able to experience um, a, a championship parade. You know, honestly, even I haven't experienced one as an adult. Um, thank you to the Mets for not making it happen in twenty fifteen Thank you to the Celtics for not making it happen since two thousand and eight um and they won't they'll continue camp. not to I
3: gonna say with oh, the celtics one you've you've been wearing a long time <laughs>
2: <laughs> not y'all disrespectively like this Thank you to the for not making it happen in what like twenty eighteen um so I was just it was just so fun the 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 vibes the the authenticity. When they were being introduced, they were getting it, being hype. I mean, they was playing DMX. They was playing uh, Meek Mill. <laughs> I was like, yo! It was so fun. And I, I, I'm just so happy for, for Ace, for sure. Um, happy for the Chicago Sky. Happy for their coach, who, um, in his press conference, he talked about how this was for every black man or black woman who was told that they weren't going to be nothing. You know... It, as black men here, we've heard similar speeches um, all, all the time from the black athletes who get it done because we, they all come from underprivileged for the most part. We've all had um our experiences coming from low income families, uh, just growing up in the hood, et cetera, et cetera. But what I loved about his press conference was like, yeah, you know, for those who would, just didn't speak well, word a cat backwards. And then he ended it by saying, um... And turned his cap around and, and left, and I was like, "Talk, you talk, like look at you." And mind mm. you, he came from a uh, Coach Pop's uh, uh, coaching tree because I think, if I remember correctly, he used to work under Coach Pop too in San Antonio. So that was just exciting. Um, I, I give all the love and praise to Candice. Uh, you miss, uh, you deserve it, and especially being a mom to to a young daughter who's I think around eleven or twelve. I know that. Was
3: that. Like, it yeah, moment,
2: yeah, that's that, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's just not you being an example of of what you want your daughter to look up to. Like that is, I mean, also you're the only parent here. I know that must have stirred emotions for you because as also as also is getting ready to turn one years old, you're you're looking like. You just want to be an excellent parent to him. You just want to be a proper role model, someone he can look up to and be proud of. And Candace being able to do that for her daughter just over and over again, I love it. And so, you know, again, shout out to Chicago Sky. Shout out to Candace Parker. Ace, congratulations. We at the Olsen A podcast, we love you. We adore you. We give you all the flowers, give you all the praise.
1: And real quick, before we move on from that, we got to talk about the pettiest moment of the finals. And that belongs to... Actually, the finals parade, I mean, the championship parade by the sky.
2: Oh, yeah. Apparently,
1: after the game, uh, in number one, the Phoenix Mercury didn't sit down for post-game interviews. That's a whole nother story. But number two, uh, apparently, Diana Taurasi in frustration broke a door in the hotel. And so, what was at the championship parade? The sky brought out a broken down hotel door, y'all. Just because. Petty. Petty level 1,000, (laughs) y'all.
2: absolutely it was hilarious because also on top of that too after the um the final game none of the mercury players made themselves available to the media they they no one talked to me and it's just like all right i i'm the type of person who's a passionate fan who's a a, when i play sports i was passionate i would let my emotions take over i'm i'm the type of guy who you know after a football game when we lost, I'm not shaking your hand. Like, especially, especially if you was talking cash shit, you feel me? I'm not shaking your hand. I will just walk down, just not. We ain't touching hands. But as professional athletes, I know you have a certain, uh, you, you have a certain pedestal to stand on.
3: <sighs> Man. I don't know. I was the complete opposite. Because I was the one who was even talking the most shit when I was playing sports. But... I don't know. I'm very much a leave that all on the court. No matter how badly we got beaten, yeah. no matter how much the person was saying, like, I still feel you should have a certain amount of respect for your opponent at the end of the day. Especially and I, and as a professional.
2: That. Yeah, I feel that. Especially, this one is like, all right, you don't make, none of you talk to the media. It's like, okay, the breaking of the door, like, wow, A, you're probably gonna have to pay for that. That's, I'm I'm not upset about that. Like, letting your emotions get expressed, like, yeah, in the locker room that's cool and if something gets broken stuff happens but not going to to the media not talking about the, the game not talking about the series i was like oh y'all really hurt hurt yeah but, oh, yeah man, this guy were petty and i'm here for petty i love it i love hmm. it i I thought it was hilarious i was watching i'm like why they have a door and then i went to the web it was like no, yeah, no <laughs> Not them trolling Taurasi like this, because, hey, truth be told, Taurasi's up there, too, when we talk about uh, greatest WNBA players that that, that touch the court. But damn, not Chicago Sky being petty. I'm like, this is how they do it? Hey, again, as a fan of the game, as a fan of just sports in general, I do love pettiness. Don't get me wrong. I do love pettiness. But that was hilarious. Oh, shoot, that was hilarious.
1: We here for it. We here for it. Now let's go talk, let's, let's, let's cross on over to the brothers, the WM, the, not W, the NBA itself, opening week, okay, first game of the season, Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. It was ring night, and the Bucks did, unlike I think the past two or three teams have done on ring night, they actually won. Yeah, They won
3: 127
1: to 104. KD didn't have a half bad game, right? 32 points on 52% shooting, 11 rebounds. James Harden dropped 20. Patty Mills dropped 21, 7 for 7 from range. But then Bucks, everybody, everybody showed up. Here's the thing about the Bucks, and this, this goes for any team, really, right in the NBA. Uh, I think Kenny Smith is the one who says it best. Or Kenny Smith and Shaq say it best. Like, who are the others? Who, who are the others who are going to show up for you guys? Giannis showed up, 32 points, 14 rebounds. But the others, Pat Connaughton, comes through. 20 points on 62% uh, shooting. Noir shows up 15 points. Uh, The Bucs look dominant through and through in this entire game. Uh, But Abe, I know you and I talked, we said this last week, actually, when we talked about Kyrie. And you know you're going to hear it more and more. If the Brooklyn Nets continue to lose, if if folks are going to blame it on Kyrie.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, watching pregame, that was a conversation between uh, Will Bond, Stephen A. Smith, and um, Jalen Rose mentioning Kyrie. When is he going to come back? Um, is he going to uh, – they they high- hypothesized that Kyrie will be back around Christmas, um, that he'll be like, all right, y'all need me. Let me come in to save the day. That aside, um, when I was watching this game, I actually thought the Nets would win it because while not having Kyrie – they still have a pretty good squad. I mean, you still have KD. You still have James Harden, who he he gets flack. He definitely gets flack, but he has become a better playmaker um, uh, uh, in his career, and especially going to a team like the Nets, who have better shooters than what he had in Houston, because Joe Harris is one of the top three-point shooters in the league. Let's not forget that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there'd be a better showing. Um. The only bright spot really was Patty Mills just off the bench. That man was just hitting everything. I was like, oh, this is still Olympic Patty Mills. Yeah. <laughs> this is who we get it. And, you know, Twitter was like, Oh, this is what happens when Patty Mills is, is free and can run run as he likes instead of how he was in San Antonio. I was like, No, nah, I, I wouldn't say all that. It's just different different requirements than he needed, um, uh, based on San Antonio to Brooklyn. But I I look me and Osa, I've talked with Olsa about this. The Bucks to me Giannis is one of the least one of the least complete champions in, in recent memory. And I say that not to hate I love Giannis. I love my Nigerian athletes. I root for them all the time. But in the sense of he has one style of play. We've seen series prior to last year where you can definitely beat him. But what the Bucks showed me, and it's what makes me so frustrated as a Celtics fan, is that you don't need a complete superstar. You don't you don't really need a superstar to have a complete bag to win a game if you can build properly around him. And the Bucs were built properly around Giannis. And last and well, not last night, but opening night. You saw that on full display. Despite losing Drew Holiday to a heel confusion, I think around the second quarter, just Pat Connaughton was out there shooting, like just, just, just hooping. He was hooping. Brooke Lopez was hooping. Giannis was just doing what he does. Being a great help side defender, he had a wonderful block um, earlier in the game. He was just getting his in the paint like, you know, he could. He even took a pull up three. It was the only three he shot. But I was just like the confidence to do that on opening night, that adrenaline. You know, I was thinking that there might be championship hangover. There wasn't, at least not until game two, maybe. (laughs) But but game one, they really showed out. And I'm like, okay. at some point, we're going to have to give these guys their respect. I'm going to have to just say just accept it like, yo maybe you don't always need to have a complete bag of tricks to to really be effective in the league. Maybe you can just run downhill and bully in the paint with your size and length, and you can win a title like that if the rest of your team can pick up where you, you lack. And so I was want. Definitely... I just
3: wanted to say one thing for Giannis as well, is his free throw shooting was amazing. He got yeah. seven and nine. Well, in in the opening night, seventy nine from the free throw line. He has a new like I think what last year he was he he took like the whole ten seconds. Ridiculous. Got called out for it for quite a few times. He had a really nice new five second routine. And like I said, seven and nine from the field is very impressive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so just like hey, of course there's a lot of overreactions. Of course, when it comes to the Nets, we were like, well, you know, this would have been the way if they had Curry likely likely but at the same time the nets are still a good enough team where they can win with or without Kyrie they can win games and hey, it's only game 1 the nets will definitely be fine i still believe the nets are a top 4 seed in the in the eastern conference but it, it was a good game um i i enjoyed it i enjoyed the showing that giannis had again like you mentioned osa uh in recent years the Defending champions haven't really won on opening night. This was a, a good, solid opening night win to be like, "Hey, last year was no, no, no. We can still continue that."
1: Yo, speaking and of, I appreciate it. speaking of defending champions. Um, the the previous defending champions, the Los Angeles Lakers, played the Golden State Warriors on opening night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, Kobe, you never told us. You, I mean, you told us you. you you you're a fan of LeBron, but who's your oh the Bulls the Bulls the Bulls okay My, never mind let me backtrack you said the Bulls do you still support are you still a Bulls fan yeah
3: no I'm I'm still a
1: Bulls fan okay. through
3: and through okay uh, even when they were terrible I mean when I say terrible like Wendell Carter Laurie McConnell, Kobe White yeah uh, Valentine Day yeah God I bless still them
1: falling. God bless those days yeah <laughs> those days they're they're not long gone but they're gone uh the, yeah but but LeBron and the Lakers end up losing to the Warriors one twenty one to one fourteen. Now, I wasn't expecting the Lakers to win against the Warriors on opening night. This is before the game ever started. Really? I, was just, I was just happy the Dodgers won that night. But I, I, really, I really wasn't. Uh, not, and not even because they, were, they, they didn't win a single game in the preseason. But it really is just a matter of, of gelling. And you look at the personnel that the Lakers have, their big three. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be some figuring out of who's playing where, I think, at, at their best that team has actually doesn't have Russell Westbrook running point, but as LeBron running point, because Russell Westbrook is, I mean, he's just, he really is a scorer, trip averaging a triple double. What is it? Four out of the past five seasons aside, Russell Westbrook is actually a natural, like two guard. So if you let him roam a little freer, great. However, I do think um, the Lakers will be incredibly dangerous this season with LeBron at the four and AD at the five and letting folks just run wild around them um, with those two on the low and the high block. That aside, some important stats to note from that game. Steph Curry had a triple-double, but on 24% shooting. 21 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. Here's something to note. Why in the heck are the Warriors dominating the Lakers on the boards in this game? Steph Curry should not be getting Mm -hmm. 10 boards in a game when you got a, 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 a or, Dwight yeah. Howard and a DeAndre Jordan and an AD on your on your team. Uh
3: and that's the thing about the Lakers which really helped them in their 2020 uh-huh. bubble run. Like they were a big team. <laughs> they were I think it was really demonstrated like uh in their their game against Houston where it was like they just bullied them. They were just getting all the rules. They were just a very big team. That should be their strength and it was just yeah. How are you allowing Steph get 10 rebounds? Why are you allowing Steph get 10 rebounds? How is he getting more rebounds than Westbrook? I just, uh, but sorry, continue. <laughs>
1: yeah. Fr- frustrating <laughs> to see. Um, Jordan Poole showed up like Jordan Poole is going to show up all this season in 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 place of Klay of Thompson until Klay Thompson finally comes back. Uh, 20 points, four made threes. Um, Bielsa, Bialica, I'm sorry, Bialica. I always mispronounce his name. Bialica had a double-double, 15 points, 11 boards. LeBron came out looking like uh, like he drank some of Kobe's secret stuff to start the game.
3: My yeah. man
1: had twenty two points at the half. Finished the game with thirty four points, five made threes, eleven boards. AD thirty three points, fifty eight percent field goal percentage, fifty eight percent shooting, eleven boards. But let's let's really get into the missing piece. You got two out of the big three showing out for them in this game. But let's talk about one Russell Westbrook. Now, I will I I've been on the record as saying, not that I'm not a fan of Russell Westbrook, but what I'm not a fan of is his decision making. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I think Russell Westbrook is a great player. You don't average for all the talk of, of stat chasing and all that, you don't average a triple double four out of the past five seasons without having some method to your madness and some skill. But he ends the game, eight points. Four assists, five boards, four turnovers, on four of 13 shooting, 0 for 4 from 3. Listen, y'all. Russell Westbrook, we, we can't have that. Like, that that can't happen. That cannot happen for the Lakers to be successful. Some of the Lakers' others did show up in that game. Kent Bazemore.
3: Do you know the problem with the Russell Westbrook thing as well? It's just, it makes, not only is he... It makes the Lakers so much easier to defend. I think if you look at other big threes, where you look at Clay, Steph, and Kevin Durant, they're such good shooters that, like, it just creates so much space for everyone to do what they want. If you look at, like, well, they hardly played together, but Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, again, they're such good shooters that, like, they, they were able to just create space and get whatever they want. But with Westbrook, nobody... Because you actually said something. You said Jordan Poole's going to have a good season of replacing Clay. I don't actually agree with that. I don't think he's going to... I think Westbrook made him look to be so much better than he actually is. Because again, Russell Westbrook's defense isn't necessarily that good either. Like he wasn't necessarily paying attention. And because... Well, sorry, when I say that like Westbrook makes it easy, makes it um, like well, completely disrupts the Lakers offense, because he is not a three-point threat, they just allow him on the perimeter, at the perimeter, and they can stay more in the, they can stay more closer to the paint. Like if you look closely at the game, Jordan Poole wasn't necessarily marking Westbrook when he was out by the line. When LeBron was bringing up the ball, Westbrook would go to the side, and then Jordan, Jordan Poole wasn't going out with him, so there was no threat from that point. And then anytime they do a pick and roll, and like so, he just wouldn't work with um Dwight Howard, but even with AD, there's just an extra body in the paint, and so it just made it so much harder for the Lakers to score. Um, I wouldn't be too worried, though, because Westbrook does this every single season. We saw it with Houston. Uh, okay, not this bad, but we saw it with Houston and we saw it with the Washington Wizards, where he just, first half of the season, before the All-Star break, he won't be that good. But post, after the All-Star break, that's when I believe this, uh, this team will start to gel and you'll start seeing the real Russell Westbrook. So I wouldn't be too worried, Lakers fans.
2: And honestly, that's honestly how LeBron-led teams work anyway. Absolutely. They, they, they mm. start slow in the beginning regardless. They don't really pick up ahead of steam until after All-Star break. So it works perfectly. Um, what I'll say is I'm a, I am love Russell Westbrook. I love just his mentality when he plays, the aggressiveness, the, the I-don't-care attitude. But my opinion about Westbrook is that his basketball IQ is, 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 is leaves much to be desired. You know, yeah. I feel like there are certain times where he needs to defer. There are certain times where he needs to take over because even in Washington, as you mentioned, how he likes to show up in the second half, he was the reason why Washington had that late surge um, last year. It was because of his of his play and then him and Beal were just starting to, to get things going and you were looking at Washington like, oh, oh, this team all of a sudden is, is rising from the dead. Um, as a Celtics fan, I was definitely happy to see the Lakers lose. Honestly, I was, I was, yeah, really pleased.
1: yeah God um, don't lie to ugly though.
2: I mean, uh, our game was better than your game. Um, nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless. Wow. Yeah, so
1: I, now we're saying which L was better, man. You're really stupid I'm just low. Saying, I today. had, no,
2: you're I had a today. lot more
1: fun watching my you're team play. You reaching today,
2: play watching your, your team, team. lose. I mean, I didn't expect an L. I, actually, I expected bit, an L. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> well, regardless, <laughs> What I will say is that it was just game 1. Uh ladies and gentlemen, for all those reading the uh watching, listening this, to this. I know um good number of Lakers fans. Like like uh Master Kovu mentioned, ain't nothing to be worried about. It's only game 1. I I know at the time of this recording, the Lakers will play the Suns, and mind you the Suns looked Abysmal, um, in their fish. game, yeah. So I mean, Devin Booker had 12 points, like wow, okay, yeah. opening night, uh, and they blew a lead to the Nuggets because they were handling the Nuggets, and all of a sudden Word. that went left. I expect the Lakers to come out strong Friday night and absolutely whoop, uh, the the Suns. Who
1: who's West having a triple double out? on on this Friday night game? LeBron or, or Russ? Russell, Le- Russell. really.
2: Yes, the the reason being is because even after the game, um, Bron spoke and said that how him and AD just told Russ, like, Hey, it's all good. Don't don't yeah. stress, don't worry. So I feel like they will look to to make Russ feel comfortable. And what when is Russ most comfortable? Is when he's getting that triple double because as much as I'd never really believed him to be a stat pattern because his record when he when he gets a triple double is actually a winning record. Like it's and and when you see when you see that it's just like yo let him cook you know when he's getting that triple double he's first of all if he's getting 10 boards you know he's going to get the assists with it because he's going to look to push as long as lebron and ad like stress to him dog you have players you can rely on you don't need to do it all by yourself I honestly yeah. feel like Russ will pro- will be the one to get a triple double tonight. Um, LeBron, being LeBron, will I, to be fair. I think both of them get triple doubles tonight. I think we'll probably see a a, a two man triple double in that Suns game. Oh, I don't know. I
3: think they eat from each other. Yeah, I and, and I that's why they're yeah. gonna
2: they're gonna feed off that, especially when um I believe Vogel will stagger their minutes some too as well. Uh, I I strongly believe. That we'll see two triple doubles, or at least Russ gets it and Braun will get close. Um, it, it I'm not too worried. You know, as much as I dislike the Lakers, especially I don't know why Rondo had to go back. It's like Rondo, it was already a struggle. You go in there the first time, and then you
1: It won. was a struggle the first time when, when they won a title with him.
2: In in terms of for me, it was a struggle.
1: for Oh him. yeah, I can see that. A, I can see uh, that. Yeah, I, was, I understand I was, that. Yeah. He's up. He's he's he's
3: nearing. He's nearing the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, like, and then he decided to go back, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Um. Sorry. Uh. Osa, are you a Lakers fan?
2: Yup. I am. Yes, he
3: is. Did it? Did it hurt you when Shaq went to the Celtics?
1: No, nah, that was. That I mean, yo, hell me. no. I was
2: when Shaq went to the Celtics, I was like, I mean, this ain't the same Shaq. Cause Sha- Shaq, my Shaq, the Shaq the had Celtics. been on the Heat and the
1: Cavs. Yeah, I thought at that point and the Suns, I thought at that point he was trying to uh trying to beat out uh what is it? Jim Jackson for most teams played. Like he was just trying to bounce around from team to team so he could collect a, a big fill in the blank nickname, right? He he could go to the you know to the Celtics, be the big, the big Shamrock. He could go. You know, to the to the Bulls, be the big Bulls, Go to the um, go 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 to the the Nuggets, be the big the big McNugget. You know, like oh, the man Lord. just bouncing around. So I, I wasn't hurt by that. Um, but speaking of the sp- speaking of the Bulls, though, um, let's talk the Chicago Bulls. Uh, opening night, uh, they beat the Detroit Pistons ninety four to eighty eight. I'm sorry, not opening up, but opening night for them. Yeah, they win ninety four to eighty eight. DeMar DeRozan seventeen point seven boards. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, 15 points, 15 rebounds. Also to note, though, he had a 10-10 and 10 at the half. The man had a double-double at the yeah. half. Um, Zach Levine, 34 points on 65% shooting. Um, the Bulls look good. Like, I, I wasn't I wasn't shocked by the Bulls' performance. Um, the Detroit Pistons are a very young team without their young rookie, Cade Cunningham, um, who was out for the night uh, with an ankle injury. But Sadiq Bey had 13 points, 9 boards, and Jeremy Grant had 24 points, continuing on for where he left off last season. Um, Master Kovu, like, talk to us about your Bulls. I
3: think just one thing, if you just look at the score of this game, like 94-88, it's relatively low compared to the all others. And I think that just really goes to show, like, the intensity of the game. Like, both teams, especially I think Detroit were the ones who brought it out of the Bulls. They were playing hard. They were very, very, very physical. They were really, like, pulling it all out. And just, like... <sighs> To be a Bulls fan, right, for this long, and let's be like since the days of, I guess you could say, okay, make Jimmy Butler and like and Derrick Rose, and then you even had that weird stint with Rondo and Dwayne Wade, but just like to actually see us like this, it almost brought a tear to my eye, man. Like we got, we have uh, our old coach. I really just feel like I was named Jim Boland just didn't know what he was doing. He was like he wasn't bringing out the best of our players. And just, just wow, like what an off season we've had to bring DeRozan in, to bring Caruso in, to somehow get Lonzo Ball out of the Pelicans team. It's just so nice to see with all these like smart players on the floor. And we're really starting, you're, you're starting to see Zach Levine go into his prime. Like 65% from the field and 34 points is just so great. He'll definitely be an all-star again this season. And just... I could almost cry. <laughs> Vucevic got like 15 and 15 as well. Just great from him. Um, I'd like to see Caruso's assist numbers go up, but on the defensive end and then just his hustle play was just amazing as well. So honestly, just, oh, you can just see that it's a, it, Billy Donovan's just done a great job of drilling the team well. Like we all saw how, what they were doing in preseason and just the scoring has just been amazing. So very, very excited for them. Caruso played the most world.
1: minutes off the bench. And almost fouled out. Yeah, I just, I just want to note that as well. I think it's <laughs> gonna take it's yeah. gonna take a little bit for him to, to I think adjust. Um, but Caruso, as we know, like defensively, he is solid. Uh, yeah, he I, had full skills. Yeah, yeah. To, to, yeah. to, to couple with that, uh, Lonzo Ball. I hope, I believe this is a good move for Lonzo Ball coming to the Bulls. I just hope that Lonzo Ball finds that consistency that has been lacking in his game since he came to the pros.
3: Well, here's the great thing about Lonzo Ball. Well, let me say, unlike Kyle Kuzma, unlike Ben Simmons, he's actually, well, they're all in the same draft class. You can actually see an improvement every single year. You can see that he 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 works hard to work on his game every single year. So, and I think when you see someone working hard, that will eventually develop into consistency. And his three point shot was looking lovely. So, yeah. I am I am very hopeful for him. I'm just trying to see what he what he shot, his three point percentage was in that game. But just the form, yeah. Okay, so two out of six, uh, thirty-three percent, not terrible. But just the, the way he's I think he's changed his technique over it is just amazing.
1: Yeah, he's fixed his, he's definitely fixed his mechanics for sure. Yeah. I think the more he's distanced himself from from that daddy Lavar, the better for him. Um and God bless Lavar's heart. Like for all the the the, the grief that we give Lavar ball. At the end of the day, he's a dad who loves his sons and just wants to see them succeed. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think for for Lonzo, this is going to be a good a good little situation for him. I do believe I though, so. and this is a hot really to come on. Oh, sorry, no, you're good. I was just going to say, I think, I think
3: Lamelo coming into the league and just having the season he had as well—that surely, like, that's your little brother that has to spark something in him. He's going to be seeing his, his his like. Well, we'll probably move on. Uh, to We'll talk about that later, but. Just LaMelo had a crazy game. And surely if you're, you're his older brother, you're seeing your little brother doing all this, you're going to be like, wait, why can't I do this? Why don't I need to elevate my game in order to be like that? I know it's not necessarily, I know their personalities are different, but I'm really hoping that does spark something in him.
1: Well, I think that it, it's, oh, so you're, you're new to the show. So let me, let me throw this out there as well. Um, so the, the neck of the woods that I live in and have mostly grown up in is the neck of the woods that the Ball family is from. Um, out here in California yeah so like I remember um watching those boys come up I remember them uh the the state title winning run that they made um with LaMelo playing on varsity as a as a freshman and just all, all the craziness with that and all the hype and the hoopla around that um however this is something that folks in this neck of the woods have always known about the Ball brothers, and that's that Lamelo is the best out of the three. I've been saying this for time. Lamelo is the <laughs> best. He's he's been the best out of the three, and because you have the opportunity to grow up watching the other two, uh, Lamelo, uh, they always move Lamelo up to be able to play with his brother. So when they played AAU ball, he was playing with them. So you're playing against kids two, three, four, five years older than you, and mixing them up. Uh, so LaMelo was bound, I, I, I think, honestly, bound for stardom. Uh not saying that Lonzo wasn't.
3: So what do you think of Leang- um, the middle Bro, child? Bro,
1: uh, Liangelo Ball is ne- has not been on nobody's draft boards, even in college, because folks will try to argue and say that LaVar is the reason why his time at UCLA got messed up. It's not LaVar. It is LiAngelo. LiAngelo wasn't even going to be a starter on that UCLA team. And then when LaVar may- was... was Pushing and saying, "Well, he's just gonna go pro anyways." He wasn't on nobody's draft boards. He wasn't on on first, second, third round draft boards. He wasn't even on any supplemental draft boards.
3: So, would you say his like his little stealing, um, like his little stealing thing in uh, I think it was in China. Yep. That, you, did that? Would you say that affected him, or you're from what I'm hearing, it sounds like not really. He was never really gonna make it.
1: I think it just. I think it just sped up the the inevitable. Oh wow! It did. It, it just sped it up. Now, I really hope. Leangelo, at best, will be a spot-up shooter in the NBA if he makes it to the NBA. He's in the G League hanging out now. Yeah. But he's not, he's not on his brother's level. I've always felt Lonzo was over, a little overhyped. I think mm-hmm. Lonzo lacks an urgency to his game. That's why he didn't work out well in L.A., apart from the bright lights and the pressure and some of the stuff going on in his personal life. He just didn't play with the sense of urgency as needed to play in L.A., um, I think if he if he somehow can get that, I think playing with Zach Levine is gonna is is going to help. But if he doesn't develop that, I think that's where in, when I bring up the consistency talk, I think that's where like that falls into. Not saying because he's a cool customer anyways, but there's a certain sense of urgency you need to have in your game in order to make it to that next level, the upper echelon in the NBA. Um, I, I, I want to move us along though. Next up. We've heard, we, we've chronicled now, my Lakers, Master Kovu Chicago Bulls. Let's talk, talk about Abe's Leprechauns, oh, the Boston Celtics. Don't get me wrong, this was a great game. A double yeah. overtime thriller. The Knicks win 138 to 134. Jason Tatum, 20 points on 23% shooting, which you will not see much of this season from him because he is a rather efficient player, but 11 rebounds. Time Lord, Robert Williams the third, 16 points, 10 boards, five blocks on 100% uh, shooting. Mind you, I think I drafted him in two out of my three fantasy leagues because I knew this boy was going to pop Smart. off this season. We've been talked about it, Abe, on this program extensively. Yeah, yeah we have. Jalen Brown had the game of his life, 46 points, career high on 53% shooting, eight threes, eight made threes. Swinging on over to the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, 19 points, two blocks. Orange Julius Randle, 35 points, eight boards, nine assists, which is going to be par for the course for him. He's turning into a triple-double threat. I think him and Demontis Sabonis are like two sides of the same same coin. Their games are starting to look very similar. And then Evan Fournier, 32 points, six made threes, four steals, which I was not expecting but I guess nope. this was a little bit of a revenge game because he was straight winning <laughs> trash with the Celtics. Abe, talk to the people, bro. All
2: right. I mean, again, uh, I, as, as an opening night game in MSG, and we here at Olsen a, both Olsen and I are on record by saying this. The NBA is better when the Knicks are good, when meaningful basketball can be played at MSG. And for anybody watching the game on ESPN, well, first of all, ESPN fixed your stuff. Like, there was no reason why you blacked out certain portions of the game several times. Like, it pissed me off. And, bo- and both times they blacked it out, that's when the Knicks went on a run and either tied the game or took the lead. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. As a Celtics fan out here in the Bay Area trying to watch this game, and we were recording OSA, we were recording Games of the Week. I'm like, can I don't don't be blacking out my game like this.
1: They were trying to spare you the pain. I
2: mean, <laughs> but uh, look, it was it was an exciting game at opening night in MSG. We get the first overtime, a double overtime game to start the season. Bro, it was a battle. I mean, Julius Randle was getting his. Uh we we put out a starting lineup of smart Brown, um, Tatum, Grant, Williams, and Time Lord. Randall was getting his versus Grant Williams all day. I mean, Randall has continuously taken a step forward ever since leaving LA. Um, ever since leaving um uh, uh yeah, ever since leaving LA and he's shown that he can be that guy. He's shown that he can be the centerpiece for the Knicks. Um, As a Celtics fan, though, just focusing on the Celtics, because, you know, I do want to give the Knicks their love. They do deserve a lot of love and praise for how they came out, how they played, how they battled. Um, It, it was they did what they needed to do. But just as a Celtics fan, Tatum shooting 23 percent, seven of 30. That's that that should never happen again. And he himself said it like he usually has one or two games like that. Hopefully he got it out his system. He was. Three for 18 on wide open shots. Two of thirteen on wide open threes. Dog, that that should never happen. You know that if he plays his game, it's a dub. It we we definitely win that. Um time lord getting five blocks. Yes, like Osam mentioned. I love Time Lord getting more burn. Defensively, he can be what we need him to be. a a dominant defensive center, and an efficient offensive player. He's not going to be the flashy player, show you, hit you with post moves or whatnot. His offensive prowess will be uh, dependent on our playmaking, will be dependent on how Eme runs the system, about smart making the right plays, making the right reads, and just getting him the ball when he's open. But Time Lord really made me proud, getting five blocks and ten rebounds. Yeah, Jalen Brown. I love Jalen with a passion, bro. A career. He looked, he looked like he looked like Jesus out there. You know? <laughs> like to send us when we were down four with about nine seconds left to, to hit that three after the timeout over uh over Fournier, where Fournier was on his bumper. He moved back, deep three swish. I was like, oh word. And I'm like, all right, we still down one. There's like three seconds left. We got a foul. Julius Randle hits both. It's like, man, we ain't got no timeouts. It's like 3.4 seconds left. I I I, I want to see something, but like it, it's tough. Dennis Schroeder gets the ball to Marcus Smart. And anybody who knows me know how vehement of a, of a Celtics fan I am when it comes to Marcus Smart shooting threes. It's like I love Marcus because he is the heart and soul of our team as a defensive player, just as a passionate player. But when he starts getting three-point happy, it either goes really, really well or it goes really, really badly.
3: And it's cool. like, damn. Quick question for you, Abe. What do you, what do you think of um, Dennis Schroeder uh, coming into Celtics? How do so, you feel about that?
2: So I, I'll, I'll get to that in a second because uh, I want to get the team praise a little bit before I decide yep. to really critique him. So smart, smart hitting that three, I was like, holy hell. <laughs> okay, we going into overtime. You know, overall, it was a good game. But my qualms with the game, I'm going to first start off with uh, Ime. And I know we were a bit shorthanded, but at the same time, that's no excuse. I'm not excusing that for a loss. I really disliked when he went small. And that's when he would put out Schroeder, uh, Langford, Naismith, Tatum, and Grant Williams. I did not like that lineup, especially when New York kept Julius out there, kept uh, uh, Mitchell Robinson out there who had 17 boards uh for good reason because we couldn't who who we have to bang with him when we have Williams on the bench? Like who who's gonna bang with him? I did not like that small lineup and he kept going to it. Langford gave us some good minutes. Now when we talk about Schroeder, I was fine with getting him because in my opinion, my issue with the Celtics the last few years is we don't need to go after a star point guard. It has not worked well for us since IT since we moved IT you know, yeah. even when we had it, like he was coming off the bench originally, but he gave us life. We were we were a lottery team until we made that trade halfway through the season, and then we got to the playoffs. Then from then on, we became a top three seed. We trade them. I I know there's there's people feel some type of way about that in terms of like oh business is business. I understand both sides. I I. I would love to have it back. I would love to have brought him back when he was healthy. I get it. The Kyrie experiment failed, and people were yeah. like, Oh, y'all gonna go for Dame Lillard? I'm like, We don't need a Dame Lillard. Like, we don't. We have enough guard.
3: The thing, the only thing that I really see missing from the Celtics team is someone who can, like, create, well, who can help, who can help Jalen Brown and who can help, um, Oh wow, can yeah, yeah, like make their own shots. So when I saw you get Dennis Schroeder, who is just a scorer in my eyes, he's not really mm-hmm. someone who can facilitate facilitate. I was quite well, not confused. I guess it's a decent signing and like I guess the money he fumbled was well.
2: Yeah, back. he fumbled the bag real hard. <laughs> bag
3: real hard. <laughs> who who's your who's the the like the Celtics facilitator? Who's who's making like so, the play?
2: Right now, um that was the that was the question. That's why people were like, yo, are we going for Dame Lillard? Because now we need a starting point guard since the Kemba experiment didn't really work out either. And I was super hyped for Kemba because I said, yeah. okay, he's a top caliber player. Like this guy, they at the end of the day, Kemba is a killer. Like he can he can get you his. We saw that in Charlotte, but he was a different type of leader, and I thought that would work well given the Celtics issues. Unfortunately, it just it just never clicked for him. Like he was also injured. He just wasn't hitting his shot, and then he was a a, a stark defensive liability. We saw yeah. that in the in the bubble. We saw that, how that looked. I mean, you could just run at him. That's what Miami kept doing, and we ended up losing that series. So when we were wondering who was going to be our uh, facilitator, and they were saying Marcus Smart, I was like, Ugh. because when you put mm-hmm. this ball in Marcus Smart hands again, when he decides to get uh three point happy, it can it can go sideways. He did a, a good job of moving the ball because he does have good vision. He was getting Robert Williams good alleys. Like I mentioned, Williams eats offensively because Smart does a great job of finding him. They have a good repertoire. And when we get Horford back, which I'm excited for game two, um, when we play Toronto, I believe that is uh Friday night. I'm excited to see how Horford looks in that lineup and Jason Richardson. But when we got Schroeder, I said, okay, we have a scorer. I did not expect him to be the starting point guard, and I'm fine with that. But in that game, I was hugely disappointed by the defensive effort from Schroeder. He gave up five. The the last five final points were on Schroeder. Schroeder did not step up to his man. I mean, he stepped up late and jumped at the pump fake when Evan Fournier hit that three to... to to bring them up one, I was sorely disappointed. I was like, yo, bro, don't you know that pump fake is coming? You know, as a a basketball player, you yourself would hit that pump fake. You let Fournier, who was hot all game, do that to us? All right, no problem. But then to give up the basket to Derrick Rose? Like, hey, I love Derrick Rose like the next man, but when when you got the switch, Derrick Rose must have been like, oh yeah, I'm definitely taking this to the hoop. Barbecue I'm chicken, definitely taking this to the hoop. With <laughs> barbecue chicken, and 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 then Derrick, and then Dennis Stroder was frustrated. Like, man, that was on you. We gave up five straight points because of you. I'm like, bro. I I refuse for our our late game lineup, and again, I understand we were short staffed. I, I'm pretty sure that had Horford and Richardson been healthy, Schroeder's not there. I think jo- the Josh Richardson overcome. is
1: locking up. Oh, Horford is doing something on that switch defensively.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, you know what, Schroeder, I I need you to provide us good offensive minutes off the bench, but I I can't rely. He's a defensive liability, and he gave me flashbacks to when. Kemba was playing when Kyrie was playing, when IT was playing. But at least I'll say this about Kemba and them. Kemba tried his 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 hardest on defense, even though he knew he was going to get beat, even though he knew that it was a mismatch. Watching him play defensively in the bubble when he was struggling, off, he tried his hardest. Dennis Schroeder did not try his hardest. I was... it, pissed me off. it pissed me off. There was but a stretch overall... there
1: even in the Kyrie era where Kyrie was leading the team in charges taken.
2: Yeah, yeah, because the thing is, and even with IT, like, yes, defensive liability, but he wasn't, like, because you buy into the defensive system, you buy into the team defense, we can pick up the slack. We can pick mm. up the slack. Dennis Schroeder, dog. <laughs> Look, if 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 he may puts out lineups like where we have to rely on Dennis Schroeder late in games when we need to win, I'm going to lose my mind. So I'm looking forward to seeing what a, Hopefully healthy roster looks like. Again, great win by the Knicks. I was super impressed by them. There was a, a good amount of stuff that I did like from the Celtics game. Brown, of course. Uh, Robert Williams, of course. Langford gave some good minutes, but golly, E mate, that small lineup. I'm not feeling it against teams that can just bully us. Mitchell Robertson had 17 rebounds, like I mentioned earlier. 17. Like, come on, dog.
1: Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Let's we'll wrap up with this uh, with this game because it's going to lead us into a, a topic that definitely needs to be discussed. Um, Sixers versus the Pelicans. Sixers win one seventeen to ninety seven. Joel Embiid twenty two point six boards. Tyrese Maxi twenty point seven rebounds. Uh, Andre Drummond with seventeen boards. Who would have thunk it? Andre Drummond woke up off the bench. Off the, off bench, the bench, fam. Brandon Ingram twenty five point seven boards. Y'all. Shunas had nine points on sixteen percent shooting and twelve boards. Earlier that morning, had signed a two-year, thirty million dollar extension. The star for the Pelicans, yeah. Nikhil Alexander Walker, twenty-three points on four made threes. And of course, Zion Williamson is out. He's out, injured. Yeah. Um, no comment about that. But y'all, gents, what were your, <laughs> what, are, what are y'all thoughts on this? On this one, we'll start with you, Master Kovu.
3: I think that
1: the Philadelphia
3: 76ers clearly had to make a statement because obviously just the amount of controversy surrounding Ben Simmons, the amount of back and forth going on uh, in the offseason, like they really had to show. And although, okay, you would like to see him be get more points and rebounds, uh, from the actual play I saw when I was watching the game, he seemed to be doing pretty well. Ingram, of course, great from the Pelicans. Um, They're missing Zion, so it's pretty hard to judge them. But um, what's it? Maxi Thiebault from point guard looked pretty good. Like I'm, I'd be very if I'm the 76ers, I'd be saying, okay, all right, cool. We we have this guy. We don't have Ben Simmons, but we still have someone who could who could produce a decent amount. Um, and yeah, Valen Kunis, sixteen percent. He definitely just like I got paid. I don't need to. Play. Oh my
2: goodness, man!
3: <laughs>
2: I was like. And and here's the thing from from opening from the first few games we had uh Curry who shot like 27% but he still pulled off the triple double, helped his team win. Tatum shot 20 23%, got 11 boards, like he made some shots when we needed him to um we lost. Valencia Unis is just like dog, yeah, what what did you do for your team? I mean, yes you got 12 boards, but 9 points. At least at least Tatum dropped 20. At yeah. least Curry got a triple double. You got nine points on sixteen percent shooting. Like, bro, after they just cashed you out like that, bro. Oh my gosh. that was.
3: And just dr- Drummond seventeen rebounds, impressive, but just will never impress me because I'm so sorry, but it's just like I said, it, it's all he does. Uh, consistently, he will lead the league in rebounds. Uh, read the re- He will lead the league in rebounds. He will lead the league in rebounds <laughs> per <laughs> game, but that's it. That's all you're gonna get from him the okay, um, if that's what
2: yeah. <laughs> Master Kovu, don't don't even trip. We are Osa and I are adamant on like man, when we when we talk about meaningless stats, drummond is is the yeah. definition of meaningless stats. Like, yo, yes he can get you double-double even though he didn't get a double-double uh on opening night. But like, what does that do for the team? That doesn't yeah. mean much. Now, maybe with the uh with the 76ers that can mean something because like you mentioned I will say this. Maxi has been uh, improving as a player a lot. Defensively, you know he's he plays with grit and getting it together offensively. The 76ers, but the thing is for me, the 76ers, I don't really, they got to show me something. And as long as Doc Rivers lead that team, I will probably never be satisfied.
3: Oh my gosh, I'm so, you don't, you don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach either? Please tell me that's what I'm hearing. Oh,
2: yeah, no. I mean, he's...
3: he's, Thank you. Look,
2: I have this this theory. Once players leave Boston, I don't know what happens. They just go left with their careers. You look at... um, I don't mean to disrespect the truth, but, you know, he he had the, the messiness, you know, as an analyst. I know there was some drama there. Unfortunate. I love you, Truth. I really do. Thank you for all the good years in Boston. Kendrick Perkins, I mean Kendrick Perkins is I I don't know why yeah. he says the things he says.
3: Um, I literally skip forward on his analysis when I'm watching first Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: a big baby Glenn Davis is out here scamming uh, money for no reason. Um, <laughs> the only former, excuse me, the only former uh, Celtics who has found success is Rondo. And I mean, I guess we can, we can give Jay Crowder some love too. He definitely yeah. has found some success. But it's just like, yo, Doc Rivers, ever since leaving Boston, has in his time in LA with the Clippers just.
3: just uh, He's just fumbled so many great teams. And I just yeah. like, I don't even think, like, yeah, I'm, I'm Max Kellerman says this all the time. When in that, that, that Kevin Garnett, Raging Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce team, like, no one, no one else. And you could even argue that's a big four if you really wanted to. But like no one else had a big three. Nobody. And he still only won one chip of them. And the one that hurts me the most, this guy had Ben Simmons, Embiid, Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, and still flop to Toronto. Like, lucky shot, yeah. whatever. Like, that is ridiculous to me. He yeah. had prime, you had yeah, had, had Blake Griffin and Chris Paul in their prime, DeAndre Jordan in their prime, flop, like JJ Reddick, Matt Lob Ball, city. Ah. Lob City. Lob City, <laughs>
2: Lob city couldn't and, do much. I mean, while injuries definitely played a role. Coaching also plays a yeah. role in that too.
3: And then blame Ben Simmons all you want. And I do. I think this is mostly on Ben Simmons. But as a coach, what are you doing? Like, talk to your team. Call a timeout. Change some plays. Encourage him. Like, tell him, oh, I just I just don't rate him as a coach at all. And then what really, I think, improved it was when you see um Ty- Tyson Liu take over and just like, oh, that's a coach that knows how to make adjustments. Like, that's a coach who knows when... Changes need to be made. So yeah, that's my Doc Rivers slander over. But he's just someone who I've just, I'm not a big fan of.
2: Oh, usually I feel you on that heavy. I
1: feel you on that heavy. Yo, y'all mentioned something about Young Ben Simmons, and so let's get into that real quick, and we'll wrap on this topic. the Ben Simmons saga continues. I've been on the record of saying that I think the man should sit out anyways until he, until they trade him. I definitely believe he should have been gone. I think that this thing has been dragged out way too long. I, I was on the record as saying as well, after they, not the last playoffs, but the playoffs before when they lost on that magical Kawhi shot, right? I'm sorry, three seasons ago when Kawhi hit that shot. I felt they should have broke up the band then. I, I did not feel, I've never felt like him and Embiid can coexist on the floor not that they're both bad players or anything like that, but if I'm the, the 76ers, I'm rolling with Embiid. That's just that's just me. Uh, I've been yeah. I've been on that boat since day one. Even with his injuries, though, doesn't that concern you? Not as much as I think long term for Ben Simmons concerns me. Now, here's the thing: this week, some some folks decided to interject their opinions on this. Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles decided to throw his 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 two cents in on this, even though nobody wanted to hear you, Jason Kelsey. um, Talking about (laughs) he had an interview uh, on Thursday, speaking on the relationship between Phillies fans and their professional and the professional athletes in Philadelphia. And here's what he had to say. And I quote, I tell you guys, you write your own narrative. I don't want to crush any other players, but what's going on with the 76ers? Ben Simmons, stuff like that. All of it, all of that is because of a lack of accountability, a lack of owning up to mistakes and a lack of correcting things, Kelsey said. If all that that got corrected, if you're fixing your free throws, if you're getting better as a player, none of this stuff is happening. So everybody can insert B-word and complain about how tough this city is to play in. Just play better, man. This city will love you. Listen, I am all for athletes in the city saying what they want to say. But number one, if you're not paying attention to the specifics, don't say nothing. Number two, I am totally against hasty generalizations and blanket statements and lack of nuance, which is the big word we miss in today's society is nuance. Um, at this stage in the game, with where this this whole saga is going, what are your guys' thoughts? I'll start with you, Abe.
2: Uh, for me, look, I hold both Ben Simmons and the 76ers organization equally responsible for this just this mess that we're, we're witnessing. Um, and w- when it comes to Ben Simmons, this a lack of, there definitely is a lack of professionalism. I get that he was, he felt offended. He had every right to feel offended. Um, but you got to also realize that part of that is on you. I mean, there should be no reason again, why, just just aside from you not willing to shoot jumpers and whatnot, just let's forget all that. Why are you driving on Trey Young, have him in the paint, and you decide to pass out? Like, there's a whole, like, 10,000 feet difference between you two. What happened to the Ben Simmons that we've seen in prior years? What, What is going on? Is it because of the pressure of, like, oh, you can't shoot and whatnot? Is that getting to you? Because even today... Uh, So he was suspended from practice a couple of days ago. He reported to um the facility, I believe yesterday or today, and got some treatment and then left. And then today, oh, this is what happened today. He went to the facility and talked to the team and everybody and said that, you know, he apologized and said that we we all need to be held accountable, including himself but said that he is not mentally ready yet and just needs a bit more time. Ben, you're not doing yourself any type of favors at all. Whether you do end up staying in Philly, whether you do move on and get traded elsewhere, it's like you're making yourself out to be a diva who who is selfish. And let's keep in mind, Ben Simmons is who we always knew him to be when he was playing at LSU. We knew he was not a shooter. We knew that was, that was a downside of his game. But defensively, he's a, he's a smart player. And we knew that, A, once, you get, once he gets into the paint, he can make magic work. But he's also a very good playmaker and facilitator. You're skilled. You are very skilled. Why, why are you behaving like this? And then when I look at the 76ers, Daniel Morey overvalued everything about Simmons. Like, when they had an opportunity to trade him to the Warriors, you asking for a king's ransom like that, given how things had already started to deteriorate, was, was arrogant as hell. The audacity that, De- that Daryl Morey has as a GM is appalling. Like, no. And so I look at it like, we always wondered whether Simmons and Embiid can coexist. They had their moments, but overall, we knew that just their style of plays doesn't work together. Because then you require Embiid to play more outside the paint. And while, yes, we know he can hit the three and he can hit jumpers. He's he's, he's hey, I will say this when Embiid is healthy. He has the best footwork amongst big men in the game right now. He has the best footwork. And you can see that when he plays. You can see how he's able to draw fouls when he plays. His footwork is impeccable. That's where he thrives, playing inside the paint. That's hard to do when you have Ben Simmons, who is only useful when he's not playmaking, only useful when he gets into the paint. You really clog up the paint like that. The 76ers should have been building around that team, adding shooters. And it's why I never understood letting J.J. Redick go. I never understood that because you needed a a shooter like that. I never understood overpaying Tobias Harris because Tobias Harris is a guy who performs well and just enough to make you be like, hmm, does he deserve a bag? I don't know. I don't know. But just enough.
3: I, th- I think last season, not, not any season before that, but I think last season he, he showed he did. But oh, sorry, continue.
2: But I'm still like, ah. But the team is not ideally constructed to support a Simmons and Embiid led squad. So you have to make a decision, right? And for me, I say stick with Embiid because when he's healthy, the best big man in the game, offensively, best big man on the game, defensively, best big man on the game. I know AD exists, I know Joker exists. Joker is definitely the best playmaking big in the game. I will give you that, but I would rather have Embiid, who who's going give you the who can give you twenty and fifteen easy, even though he didn't have a double double in that game. But you have Drummond, and they look somewhat good, mind you. They are still playing. Um, they weren't playing that great of a team, so we'll see how they do against other uh more talented rosters. But it's just what I hate the most about this. And then uh, Masakovu, I want you to to take over. What I hate the most about this is people who just only blame Ben. You can't just blame Ben. You also have to blame the 76ers. Now, whether you want to put it 60-40, whatever. But for it to be 100-0, nah, nah. And this is coming from the guy who supports, who understands and usually supports the business aspect when it comes to business player relations. I'd like to say that I support both business and players. I get both sides. I understand both sides. Both sides can be right and both sides can be wrong. There's not To me, there hasn't been really any situation where it's like, oh, one side is except for LeBron and Cleveland. That's where I'm like, hey, honestly, uh, the old so, oh boy uh, uh, Gilbert, whatever his name is, in Cleveland, he was in the wrong 100% with how yeah. he acted and whatnot. There are rare times. Dan, Gu- Dan time, Gilbert. Dan Gilbert. Yeah, Dan Gilbert. Most of the time, I, I'm looking at both sides and I'm like, you have a good point there. I understand why you made your decision off that. Player side, I'm like, you have a good point there. I understand why you did that. And I can be like, yo, you're also both wrong. You have to blame both sides. It is not just Ben Simmons' side. Go ahead, Master Kofi.
3: Um, This is a very, very interesting situation. Um, But we've seen it before. We saw it with AD. We saw it with James Harden. And I think what scares me about this, and I think which is probably what you're seeing from the Philadelphia 76ers organization, is they're taking a stand. I think they're really trying to put their foot down. Uh, I think Daryl Morley Morley, um, had an interview, uh, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, and he was saying that, like, okay, it might have been just a negotiating tactic to put Ben Stock up but he was saying that we're not going he's going to stay here for 4 years and unless we get a valuable piece of him simmons is a very 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 good player he can guard the 1 to 5 his his playmaking is amazing he's like first team defense and i can only really say his game has one flaw however it was his fault majority of the blame was on him as to why they didn't beat Atlanta. Your point guard can't be missing free throws like that. You cannot be a worse free throw shooter than Shaq and Wilt Chamberlain. It can't happen, especially in today's NBA. But going back to what I said about the 76ers organization putting a stand is, if Ben Simmons gets a trade and he gets a trade to a team where exactly where he wants to go, what does that mean for the rest of the league? Does that really just mean that any player who's unhappy can just ignore their contract and just go? Because that's that's what we're seeing. And obviously, this started with LeBron. And and LeBron, I have obviously have no faults for what he did because he was a free agent when he went to Miami. We saw KD do it. And obviously, the way he, well, well, you can, I'm sure we've already spoken many times about that KD trade. We kind of saw it with Kawhi, where he didn't necessarily get traded to where he wanted to go, but he went to Toronto and then ended up with where he wanted in the Clippers. But like I said, we saw it with AD, all of a sudden people being like, I don't want to play, I want to go to the Lakers. We saw it with James Harden, and now we're saying with Simmons. And I just think if they let him get his way, I think it literally really sets a bad precedent for the rest of the league of just, okay, these players can do whatever they want. And so I'm not really, I'm, I'm kind of happy to see the 76ers just be like, you're not getting any money, what you're gonna sit you down and you're not going to get your way. My only issue is that can obviously there's a reason why you have to move on these players it, it can be very detrimental to the to the chemistry of the team and you yeah and even just the way he came in with training with his phone in his pocket and just like him getting kicked out by doc it's not it's not a good look so i'm I, I think eventually he'll get moved on but at the end of the day, I really just feel like it's a battle of the egos. It's, it's Daryl Morley, Morley, Doc Rivers, and the owner of us, Ben Simmons. who It's just a pissing contest at this point. Who's going to hold out the most? And, and unfortunately, nine times out of ten, the player wins. So it would be very interesting to see how this comes out.
1: I think, and I will stand by this until Ben Simmons gets traded. The 76ers missed the boat when they could have traded Ben Simmons to the Rockets for James Harden. Daryl Morey wants James Harden. James Harden wanted to play for Daryl Morey. They had had a golden opportunity there. Now they're going to continue this saga on and on with Ben Simmons. All these egos involved because that's really what it is. It's a giant pissing contest at this point. And the league and Ben Simmons are going to be worse for the wear because of it. Nobody wins when the family feuds. With that being said, y'all, this wraps another episode. This is kind of a long one. This is a longer one. Um, You, you basically yeah, got I'm two sure. shows in one on this one uh, of the OSNA podcast presented to you by SSAW, y'all. Thank you, of course, to Master Kovu for joining us here today. Um, how can the people find you? Social media is all that. You can find me
3: on Twitter at vicious underscore R-A-A-K-E. Or you can find me on Instagram with the same handle. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Bet, bet, bet. And we'll link to that on the episode as well. Um, also, y'all know what it is when it comes to the SSAW network. You can head on over to the website at tssaw.com. Again, that's tssaw.com. We'd love to hear from y'all. If you guys want to hit us direct as well, you can shoot us an email at osa.abepodcast at gmail.com, as well as Twitter. Abe, what's the Twitter handle?
2: osa underscore Abe podcast. You can find us again on Twitter at osa underscore podcast podcast
1: it's a beautiful thing i may or may not hop up on there and troll every once in a while um it, it makes it makes abe look a little bipolar because he has his own personal twitter account as well um <laughs> it makes it a great a great laughs um and as always y'all you know what it is you know the slogan one thing two words get that in your brain oh <laughs>